Any new beginning is forged from the shards of the past, not from the abandonment of the past. Craig Lounsborough. When it comes to closing out an old year and moving into a new one, goal setting and mindset is at the top of mind for all of us to jumpstart our new year on the right foot. This week, I'm in the middle of writing our top 10 episodes of 2022 and getting my head around the final part of our book review of the Silva Method. And I'm thinking about how I can personally improve where we are now with this podcast to help us to all move forward with engaging content and speakers that can help us all reach new heights with our brain in mind for 2023 and beyond. I wondered, what am I missing that I haven't covered yet that could help us to all move ourselves to greater heights? We've gone deep on this podcast in the past year with using an understanding of our brain to improve our mental and physical health and well-being especially as this relates to our learning. And we're now slowing down the year for the holidays, uncovering some new ways to meditate with the Silva Method and other episodes that we'll be releasing over the last few weeks of this year to help us to all improve creativity, our intuition and focus. But before we close out this year, I wonder what else is there that can help us to drive transformation in our schools, our sports environments and our workplaces? I've been thinking about this for the past few weeks, and then I met our next guest, Soren Kaplan. He's a best-selling and award-winning author, a columnist for Inc. Magazine, and an affiliate at the Center for Effective Organizations at USC's Marshall School of Business. Business Insider and The Thinkers 50 have recognized him as one of the world's top management thought leaders and consultants. I was introduced to Soren Kaplan via email, letting me know about his new book called Experiential Intelligence that's about how to harness the power for personal and business breakthroughs that follows his other successful books, Leapfrogging, The Power of Surprise for Business Breakthroughs, and The Invisible Advantage. I immediately thought, this is it. This is what I've been looking for something else that we could tap into that can be used to transform ourselves, our teams, and our organizations, and something entirely new, giving us that breakthrough advantage or quantum leap that I've been mentioning all year with Price Pritchett's U Squared book. When I began reading Soren's book, I noticed from the praise and testimonials at the start that his supporters were all high-level leaders sharing what they'd learned from this book and how the ability to understand your inherent capabilities as a product of life experiences is the essence of what Soren has called experiential intelligence and how leaders can harness this XQ to unlock their own hidden strengths and that of their teams to drive transformation. And this came from Valencia Bembry, the VP of Philanthropy from the United Nations Foundation. So today's Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, episode 264, will cover Soren Kaplan on experiential intelligence, the missing ingredient for unlocking personal and professional success. This will give me some time to think a bit deeper on our final part of our review of the Silva Method that I could really use. And if you're just tuning in today, I'm Andrea Samadhi, 
I'm an author and an educator who launched this podcast to help us to all understand the science behind any high performance strategy that's proven to increase our results, whether we work in our schools, our sports environments, or our modern workplaces. Before we meet Soren Kaplan, I want to share a bit about what he's discovered after 25 years of working with thousands of business leaders around the world. He says that experiential intelligence reveals how our past life experiences impact our present success and future opportunities in ways that we don't often recognize. While we can't change what's happened to us or how we've responded to it, within our unique stories are hidden strengths waiting to be discovered. He says we can all do just that by uncovering our unique experiential intelligence, or XQ, which is our internal fingerprint that's a combination of the mindsets and abilities gained from our personal and professional life experiences. Just as memorizing facts doesn't give you a high IQ, your experiential intelligence isn't merely what you've learned over time. It's how you view opportunities, perceive challenges, and tackle goals. XQ can be leveraged for you to become a better leader, hire and develop talent using more strategic criteria, increase collaboration, innovation, and results, and transform your organization's culture. I had to sit and think for a moment after coming across Soren Kaplan's work as we've covered emotional intelligence on our podcast with episode 202 most recently with Joshua Friedman on getting results with emotional intelligence in our schools and workplaces. And this episode remains in our top 10 most listened to episodes of 2022. So I wondered how this new book could help us to uncover our hidden assets, remove invisible barriers that limit peak performance and amplify strengths to achieve breakthroughs for ourselves personally, our teams, or our organizations. Let's meet Soren Kaplan and find out how we can all use experiential intelligence to break through to new heights as we prepare to launch a new year. Welcome Soren Kaplan. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share what you've discovered about this unique fingerprint that we all have, that when we tap into it, it can transform our results. So thanks so much for being here today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And from what we just discovered, you're somewhere in the Pacific time zone, right? Are you in California somewhere? I, I split my time between California and Seattle, depending on what I'm doing. Got it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Before we cover what you've discovered with your new book, Experiential Intelligence, I really wanted to start out with a surprise question for you because I did read your book, Leapfrogging, and it really does connect to some of our past episodes. We talked about the power of surprise and how it impacts our brain. But so if I could just start out and begin with a progression of your three books, and how did you become interested in helping people break through to new heights and results? A great question and a nice surprise question to kick things off. Um, I, um, I've spent um, 25 years working in the field of innovation, and I learned about creativity and lateral thinking really early on in my um, career. And I've applied that to 
business in terms of product development and innovation process and leadership development. And so my my I spent uh, time in Silicon Valley at a big company where I led the strategy group and I've done a few startups. And I also teach um, in executive educa education programs um, globally. And so leapfrogging came out of my insight that when people have breakthroughs, whether it's about a breakthrough product or coming up with just a new idea or delivering a breakthrough solution to the market, whether it's something like the iPhone or, or whatever else it might be, it always includes an element of surprise. People, you know, it challenges assumptions. It challenges how we do things in a positive way, not the kind of surprise when you, somebody scares you, the kind of surprise where you you kind of scratch your head and said, I didn't know technology could do that or a candy could do that like Pop Rocks or whatever it might be. And kind of really the the your brain fires in a way when you experience surprise that it, you want to learn more about it. And so leapfrogging was about how do you harness the power of surprise to create breakthroughs for yourself, to give yourself surprises that gives you new, give you new insights or to surprise the market with something new that satisfies a need in a new way. And that then led to a book, my second book, The Invisible Advantage, which is about how to create a culture of innovation. So how do you embed the ability to create surprises all over the place in your organizations um, so that not only are you coming up with new ideas, but that you're seeking out surprises as you develop them because you're challenging your own assumptions and then developing opportunities that way. Um, and then my last book, Experiential Intelligence, is really uh, a much more personal book around kind of what does it mean to get in touch with um, what is a barrier to your own insight around your ability to foster surprises for yourself, as well as show up for others and, and help others um, kind of find their way as well. And so that's uh, kind of the progression of, uh, of my books. Well, it was interesting that I chose to look in the, the beginning pages of leapfrogging because I did notice as I was, you know, going through your new book here and I was looking at all the powerful leaders in business from around the world. You've got 3M executives and the CEO of PBS and school superintendents giving you feedback. And there was one that caught my eye. And uh, that was the one that wrote your foreword to leapfrogging. So how did you get to meet Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, who our listeners might know as the author of the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There? Yeah, so um, he was affiliated with the graduate school uh, that I went to um, to get my master's and PhD. And so I became familiar with his work just as a student, really. He's a really a, one of the forefathers of, of leadership coaching. And and um, and I, I reached out to him to see if he would on a, you know, really kind of without knowing him very well, write the forward to leapfrogging. And he was kindly... Uh, and generous enough to do that. Um, and so we connected that way um, and then have just stayed in touch. And, and he was, uh, again, kind enough to write endorsement for uh, for experiential intelligence. I love it. Love seeing that. And then when you talk just now about lateral thinking, you know, coming from the corporate world, that type of thinking that I always typically liked or enjoyed being creative or thinking about out-of-the-box ideas 
back, you know, let's go 20 years ago, wasn't a typical way of thinking. How have you brought this way into the workplace now, this way of thinking? Well, one of the things that I've um, try, always tried to do is make connections between seemingly different things so that you can find patterns and logic between things that don't seem like they relate. And so what I did with experiential intelligence, and, and I spent three years working on this book and have reflected not just on the thousands of leaders I've interviewed and worked with and organizations. Um, I probably worked with 30 of the Fortune 1000 in leadership development capacities and consulting capacities, but I looked at my own experience. And what I realized is experiential intelligence is a concept that um, complements IQ, your intellect, which that concept is over a hundred years old. And it's really, the intellect is important, but I think we have an assumption today that the smarter you are, the more successful you'll be. And I'll blow that up in a second. But the, the idea is that uh, about 50 years ago, emotional intelligence was introduced as a concept and then popularized by uh, Daniel Goleman in the 1990s. So we've had IQ and EQ as kind of these, these success factors that we know are important, but no one, no one really looks at how our experiences from early in life all the way up to present day actually give us real intelligence. And I talk about experiential intelligence as your mindsets, your attitudes and beliefs about the world, about yourself, because those things can get in your way, no matter how smart you are. Your abilities, your abilities are basically kind of your higher order competencies that then allow you to integrate your mindsets with your, what I call know-how, your knowledge and your skills, kind of the, the basic stuff. And so mindsets, abilities, and know-how is your experience. It comes from your experience. That complements your IQ and it complements your EQ. And that's what experiential intelligence is doing. It's rounding out the third leg of that stool that we've all been relying on, but haven't really had language or a framework to understand. Yeah. So when I was listening to you just there and I was thinking about mindsets, we could talk an hour on that and beliefs and our abilities and then the past traumas that might have impacted us. And there's so much there that has been left out of, you know, the educational system, the workplace. How do we, how do you even begin to bring this in now um, all at once? Yeah. And I know you, I know a lot of your listeners and you focus on education. And I think that's really a fundamental and important um, institution to understand the value of experience because our experiences can sh sh always, you know, they'll shape us. And of course there's debates between nature and nurture, but my, my view is the experience we have, the experiences that we have shape us. They can either shape how we think about ourselves, about other people in the world in either a kind of a positive way that kind of creates a growth mindset or a constraining way that might create a self-limiting belief. And let me bring this to life. In my book, I, I really focus on a lot of personal stories um, as well. So I grew up with a mother with mental illness. My father was rarely around. He was really focused on kind of his own spiritual pursuits with the community he was part of. And I was 
by the time I was 15 years old, we had moved 16 times. So I had a lot of trauma growing up. However, when I looked at that, when I have processed that trauma myself through various things I've done, I realized that one, they it, it has challenged me and, and kind of created some self-limiting beliefs I had to overcome. But the same things that kind of traumatized me also delivered unique gifts. So for example, I'm really good at living with a lot of uncertainty. I'm really good at seeing patterns in, in complex data and ambiguity. And how have I applied that? Well, I help understand organizational cultures and do culture transformation. I focus on innovation and living with ambiguity and uncertainty there. And I help other leaders do that. So all of our experiences give us gifts, but they can constrain us at the same time. So the, the power of experiential intelligence is to decipher what are those things that happen to us and what are those strengths, those assets that we got from them and how do we leverage them moving forward? And from an education standpoint, then there's a lot of things to be sensitive to in terms of children's home environments and in other environments they're working in that and living in that might create experiences that can be stifling, but also that might create strengths. And how do we pull those strengths, you know, kind of elevate them into assets and lean into them? There's so much that's so important. Schools, workplace, teams, it's just across the board. There's a lot here. And I can't make up one question that goes for one place. It's different for, you know, like you just said, talking about schools. So if I, if, if someone's listening or if I'm thinking myself, well, I love how you wrapped up what your, uh, what your XQ was, you know, what it is, you know, how it's helped you and you know how it's given you breakthroughs. And then you also were able to sit down in that coffee shop in Paris and see how someone else did it. How do we decipher and decode what what our talents and strengths are from our experiences? Yeah, that's a gr great question and an important question because I think a lot of a lot of us can get stuck in the past, meaning we dwell on the things that were broken or painful or the struggles that we had. And so experiential intelligence is is a framework and it has some tools in it. Uh, my book has a whole toolkit where I've tried to take a lot of the experiences that I've had working through my own challenges and struggles, but also the successes that I've had and trace back. For example, I have something called the beliefs mapper. So I, I, it literally is a little template that you can look at. Here are the things I experienced and that are most poignant in my life. They can be, be what you might consider a positive experience or a negative experience. You might also label them traumas, or you might just say there's you know positive, you know, high point experiences, whatever they are. And then look at what are the messages they conveyed. As you experience those, however early on in life, what messages did they convey to you? And then what are the beliefs you derived from those messages that might be sticking with you today? And then there's um, some other tools to kind of look at those beliefs that might not be working for you and how do you flip those around? Um, so those are, you know, those are ways in which one can get started with that. And you've got a lot of tools on your website. I saw as I was looking through each of the books, you have tools that anyone can tap into. Is that right to use? 
I think I think it's important to have big ideas. I think experiential intelligence challenges how we think about intelligence itself. But I think a lot of people, once we we get over kind of a rec- kind of the intuitive recognition that oh yeah, you know, experiences give us all street smarts. Experiences give us all intelligence. Yes, and that complements IQ and EQ. Now, how do I tap into it? So I've really tried to make a conscious effort at trying to give a translation. Having worked in business for 25 years and with a lot of teams, we want to get practical pretty fast. So let's get the big idea out there, sure. But let's get some tools and templates and and ways to help people work together. Um, And with experiential intelligence, I have an assessment. I have an individual assessment. It takes about three minutes to fill out. And I have a team assessment to kind of measure your your level of experiential intelligence. And from there, you could use a whole bunch of different tools to, to develop it and kind of work through it as well. So just thinking about this, because we've talked a little bit about, about education, a little bit about workplace. What about teams? Because teams are made of individuals. How do you tackle a team with this? Um, I, I think that it's important to understand that every team, just like every organization, has a culture. And those cultures as a team can be influenced. Teams have experiential intelligence themselves as a unit. Meaning if a team goes through certain experiences, team building, a lot of people do team building because you want to create shared values. Well, teams could go, go through experiences every day together. I mean, a, a team is a unit in an organization that's in it together, typically, or, you know, whether an organization could be uh, business or academic institution. Um, but the idea is that the team can get in touch with its own mindsets. What are our shared beliefs that are either getting in our way or that we can really leverage and lean into to achieve our goals? Teams also have shared abilities, And a lot of times, one of the things that I think is really important, I really highlight in this book, is that a lot of times we think about what are the abilities of our team? So we think about the the resumes or the job descriptions of those people on our teams. Well, actually, the life experiences of those people on our teams is equally as valid to leverage and lean into and, and discover through, you know, more vulnerable type conversations, if somebody had certain types of experiences that, you know, might have been challenging, but led to certain strengths, how do you use those as appreciate those as as a team? And so the mindsets, the abilities, and obviously the skills are all important for teams And, and being more in touch with what that holistic view is of your team's experiential intelligence will allow you to be, you know, kind of be more cohesive as a team, but also achieve your, your business goals. Got it. So you've probably heard of Price Pritchett's U Squared book, have you, about the quantum leaps? And so I've talked about that often on this podcast and, and breakthroughs. So let's just say someone's thinking of, you know, 2023 is coming up and they're, they're setting their goals and they're looking at what they're going to do different. Where would you set them on on a path? What should they do? Go to your website and go where? What's the first step here? Well, I think that anyone who's looking, anyone who has a team and kind of wants to work together as a team has an opportunity to um, 
use experiential intelligence. You can get even the first chapter for free um, and kind of get the kind of the core framework there. Um, there's um, also, uh, if you get the book, there's a team assessment and it's a great way to kind of hit the ground running. You get the whole team to take the assessment. It's free and you get a profile. And if you have each person take the assessment and you compare what you believe the team's profiles are, you might see different things. It'll create the, the context for a conversation with your team about your experiential, your team XQ, experiential intelligence, I call XQ. So IQ, EQ, and XQ. Um, if you look at your team XQ, then you have a, an opportunity to say, what are those attitudes and beliefs we want to you know, really um, enhance and focus on this year as a team and kind of build out and what are the, what's going to enable us and what maybe in retrospect has gotten in our way. Um, so from an effectiveness standpoint, you can look at mindsets, which are attitudes and beliefs, and then look at the abilities that you have and that you want to develop based on what your goals are. Um, so those are, that would be just a, a simple way to, to get started. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and I haven't asked you about the research yet, but you've talked about it a little bit throughout. When you say mindsets, we we think about Carol Dweck, but what research is behind all of this? It's interesting because I think um, what I've tried to do is is really focus on multidisciplinary research. So I have uh, my backgrounds in organizational psychology. I studied at UCLA sociology. Um, but I've worked in business. So I, what I tried to do is integrate research uh, on mindsets. You mentioned Carol Dweck from Stanford. Um, I also have looked, I also looked at and the example you, you know, we talked early, earlier about trauma. Um, there's some research on trauma and how early childhood trauma or even PTSD later in life can wire us. Um, there's a lot of research and work on that now um, so that we have physiological responses to certain stimuli. So, you know, I'm, I'm bringing that in too, because it's as relevant for, you know, it's relevant for individuals and work we may want to do for our own growth, but everyone in business or wherever we are brings all of who we are to it. So those types of traumatic responses also exist in business in our community organizations, in schools, wherever they are. So I wanted to really kind of start linking multiple disciplinary research together. Got it. I really thought about Dr. Bruce Perry's work when I saw something you put on Twitter the other day. It was, it was a nice graphic you put, and it said, the challenge for me and for many other people is that sometimes we have experiences, especially during childhood, that can stick with us and get in our way. And it just reminded me, you know, Bruce Perry's What Happened to You book that he did with Oprah. We covered him on the podcast. And um, just, you know, thinking about every single person we deal with, whether in the classroom or in the workplace, when someone's responding to you in a certain way, just to have that in, in the in the back of your mind. So how would you cover that whole aspect of of a person's makeup? Yeah, I, I think that um the, the book that you just mentioned, Dr. Perry and Oprah's work, um, I, I actually reviewed and referenced as I was writing my book. Um and I think one of the the powerful things that that book did was sort of destigmatize the fact that most of us do have some kind of trauma, and it's not 
we're not bad because of it, but we, um, you know, it, it's, it's what happened to us, not who we are. Now, experiential intelligence, if you look at what happened to us as not just something to overcome, but actually something that gave us gifts, that's a paradigm shift. Our traumas gave us strengths and gifts if we know how to uncover them and decipher them. And I can, you know, I've got a lot of personal examples in there. Um, and I shared a couple earlier on. Um, that's not to say traumas aren't can be very difficult and painful, but we can also, in retrospect, look at what happened to us. A la, you know, the, the 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 work that Dr. Perry and Oprah have done, and say, what did they deliver to us that we that made us us, and that we can now use to move forward and achieve our goals. So whether it's living with uncertainty, living with ambiguity, being extremely well organized, because we had, you know, you have to in a chaotic environment get organized and control what you can control, or whatever it may be. Those can be strengths and those can be used then to foster your breakthroughs, foster your new achievements that you're going after. I love this because I love Price Pritchett's U squared and getting those quantum leaps. But now you have a tool that explains how do you actually, it's not just from wishing or chance or luck, it's through doing something specific with our life experience that now gives us a tool to to use, which I like. Well, what what I'm what I'm connecting to is you have an ability to make connections between very different things and worlds from education to business. That clearly is something that you have have fostered in your own way. Um, I'm curious where you think you got that from. Cause it's like, you're, you're doing that left and right in our conversation. So how did you, how did you come up with those, those abilities as well? And I, I would assume you have some mindsets around what's important and what's important. What I'm hearing from you is connection making and meaning making for other people as well. So my guess would be, you've got a little bit of history and learning to do that yourself somewhere and, and then trying to help others with that as well. Yeah, it's interesting because with every interview, I try to do that. I try to bring the the guest back to past episodes so it makes sense for those listening to the podcast. You know, it's it's for those listening to think, well, when you mentioned surprise, we did a whole episode on the power of surprise. And it was fascinating what happens to the brain when we're surprised. And so then I thought, well, and then bringing in others, it's, I think it's just the fact that I came from working in the motivational speaking industry with Bob Proctor, who taught us all about how to um, not have these limiting beliefs that are going to stop us. And so now a lot of us that worked with him are trying to make sure that we're carrying the torch for the things that he taught us. And it was a lot of what I watched the speakers do, making connections when they were up there, you know, this guy did this. And so trying to do the same thing and build a legacy for those that are going to listen to this podcast, that's the biggest thing for me is to leave something behind with these interviews. It's not about anything else other than how can we help people in schools, sports, and the workplace with these ideas. It, it's, it's a powerful concept and it, 
it became clear to me. I mean, I, I'm always looking for yeah. what people are good at and it's how they think and it's how, you know, what they're able to do. And you've been doing that this whole time. So I've been noticing that and, and kind of wondering about how, how uh, intentional it is because you have a good skill set with it. Thank you, because I'll, I'll tell you something at the end, too, when we're finished. But there's something I noticed that makes it easier to make those connections and then things that make it difficult. And it has to do with sleep, diet, exercise. So that all ties into it. Um, you know, when you go and grab a name in your head, you're thinking, someone said it the other day on an interview, they were they were saying, oh, it was John Ford. And I was like, no, it was Henry Ford. But those connections as we're getting older start to disappear. And so it's really important for me to make sure that the sleep, diet, nutrition is there, which is not always. So making the connection is the first thing to make sure that we're all um, aging and still able to continue to be sharp as we age. That's a whole other section of the podcast. I couldn't agree more with that as right. well. Yeah. Right. So Let's bring this to your experience with Google, Apple, Tesla, IBM. You know, what I thought was amazing was that in your notes, you had said that these companies no longer require a university degree for an interview. So how are they picking their people? Do you have to know someone to get to work at the amazing offices of Google or Apple? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, part of Part of what I was noticing out there over the last you know, decade or so is that the leaders I was working with and the organizations I was working with, a lot of times the job descriptions that they were hiring for actually were almost constraining sometimes for the roles that they really needed for the people. And there's research that says, you know, someone, people change jobs 12 times in their, in their lives or about. And so it if you if you study one thing that thing usually is outdated in a few short years now and so these organizations these companies are recognizing that they to they that people can have qualifications even if they don't have that quote unquote degree that bachelor's degree and so what they're doing is they're looking for experiences they're looking for abilities and quick example. Um, I work with a startup uh, called Praxy.com. Um, one of the project managers, um, we hired her. She has no had no work experience, but she was in the military and she led a, a, a group of about 20 people in a battalion in, in the military. And when I asked her, how did you know how to do that? She said, I had to figure it out. And so that tells you a lot about this person. Her name's Aal. And Aal had to figure out how to lead for a year, 20 people and teach them and get them created, you know, creating a team. And now she leads, she leads a software development team from around the world, um, India and Africa and the US and Europe. So like there's certain things that a college degree will not give you and that you can kind of decipher and look for. So those big companies you mentioned have all recognized like the college degree is a, a barrier, actually, if you, if you just look at that as the gatekeeper of whether you can even talk to someone. And then you have companies like Google and a few others who are creating like these, what they call career certificates. And you can go online and for a hundred dollars, 
you can get kind of certified in something through having an experience and you know you know trying out the technology and and kind of applying yourself and you're qualified to then apply to one of their jobs so talk about disrupting education i mean for a 100 bucks versus tens of thousands of dollars you can actually get qualified for something that's relevant tomorrow and actually get a job tomorrow um so we're seeing a huge sea change in what organizations are seeing as important qualifications and i i a lot of its experiential intelligence at the, at its at its core it's so interesting. I know a lot of the educators that are listening at the higher levels would be very interested in knowing this because I never heard about that, knowing how to get into these amazing companies um, to help the students of our next generation with where they want to go. Because they're all saying, you know, I want to work here, want to work there. Well, how exactly do you do that? And it's not like what I would have thought. There's um, there's there's some universities. Um, the, probably the best known one right now is Minerva University. They're out of the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, they're they're they provide a, a bachelor's degree, but their model is totally virtual. But they have the students living in I think it's four to six different cultures around the world as they attend virtual school. So they're trying to create experiences. And then they place the students in real companies like IDEO, the design firm in Palo Alto and others um, to give them kind of internships, real world experience. And it's all about experience. It's all about experience because that's how you change how you think. It's how you develop your abilities and how how you develop those practical skills and those all come together. So then where do we go beyond this? You you know, we, we've talked about this with regards to business. What are the implications for parenting? You know, we talked a little bit about education. What about parenting, personal relationships? How can we use this in the home more practical? That's, that's a great question. Um, one of the, the things I think any parent, I, I'm a parent of two daughters. They're now out of the house. Thank goodness. Uh, I have a little more time now. Um, it's, it was wonderful, but also hard as, as we all know for parents. Um, but the, the opportunity I think is to help our children, whether we're parents or teachers understand their own experiences. So as, as those we care about have experiences of their own, they can be hard experiences. They can be joyous experiences. How do we help them understand, here's what happened, here's you know how I responded, here's what I learned from it, here's you know maybe how I could do it differently, but here's also you know kind of what it gave me as my as learning and as strengths also as I went through it. And I think that whole notion, you know, experiential learning, I have a whole chapter on experiential learning because that's how we learn. Um, and so, um, I think the opportunity as educators and as parents is to create experiences also um, so that whether you you know, go and explore a part of, you know, a, a, a part of a neighborhood you don't normally go into, or you go and you have wilderness experiences or whatever those experiences are that you can give that opens the world up and opens one's mind up Um so it's, it's interpreting experiences with support and it's creating experiences. I think that's really where um, the opportunity is. 
It's just bringing me back to when we would bring the kids to a new location and their whole world would open up. Um, But, you know, we're lucky that we have that opportunity. Not everyone, when I go into school, sometimes I look at these students and they've never left their neighborhood and they want to know, where are you going next? And what are you doing next? And I think, I wish I could take you with me, but they can, I guess, travel virtually. But what, what would you say to those students that that are limited with being able to see the world in a way that some kids get to. Well, I, I think that it's um, that we all, we all have experiences, all of us. And sometimes they're more constrained than others. Sometimes they're more challenging than others. Um, and we all have the opportunity to understand our experiences with a strengths based lens. And a strengths-based lens basically means um, how, what am I gaining or what did I gain in terms of my own strengths and how do I use those to be a better person, to achieve whatever I want to achieve in terms of however I define success. We can define success in different ways. And so I, I really kind of always focus when I do my own consulting work or leadership work on what are those strengths that our life experiences give to us. And that's really, I think, where a big opportunity is for educators and parents and others to really zero in on what that strengths-based lens is that we're bringing and more consciously bring it uh, to those that we're trying to support. Oh, it's very helpful to see this in a concrete way, because we, we kind of know through trial and error, right? You get to a certain age and you look back and go, wow, I learned so much from that. That was great. But at the time, it was probably the worst time of your life or <laughs> no, I just think of all the really difficult times when, when I left Toronto and moved to the U.S., it was the most challenging time for me to try to start up in a new country. I remember calling my friend in Kentucky and going, so what do mailboxes look like? Because they were not the same color as what I had back home. And so figuring it out, like your friend from the military, trying to figure out a whole new system. But now looking back, thank goodness I had that because it built resilience. Now, you know, I learned something new about how to, how to make it happen. So, um, you know, just putting this all in one piece, something concrete is very helpful. Yeah, it's it's important and there's it's all backed up also by research. There's research that says if you get exposed to another culture, you actually become more creative. Your brain gets connected in ways that that supports greater creativity. And there's that's research based. Um so there's a lot behind this. There's other re- you've asked about research. A lot of what I'm talking about is based in what's in positive psychology and in business called appreciative inquiry. So you know there's a, those are a lot of kind of academic or or kind of researchy based terms. But you know all of that is the foundation for what happened to us, what strengths did it deliver, and how do we kind of reframe the the challenges into learning opportunities that we can lean into in terms of the strengths that we think we can leverage now, like your resilience into the future. So that's really, you know, kind of what it's all about. Yeah. That's when we make it work for us to have this breakthrough that you've been talking about through all your books. 
which is what we all want. We're all working really hard for some sort of massive breakthrough in our results. And now you've given us something concrete to use, which and, and tools on your site and assessment. So I, I think if, if, if I'm looking at it, there's no way that we can't all do this. Is that right? Yeah. And I, I think that some of it also, and again, you, the word breakthrough, um, I think we all want it to a certain extent when we kind of, when we're in business, we want breakthroughs, et cetera, et cetera. I think the, that what I see is that if you focus too much on the breakthrough, that's a mindset. And they're like, oh, I need this big result instantly. Well, part of um, part of what I've seen over and over in my innovation books and in with experiential intelligence is that a lot of that change is just small change. It actually doesn't require a lot of rocket science or doing things dramatically different. But if you kind of start to get a get more tuned into your strengths and just think about what are the small steps that I can take now, it will lead you to the bigger breakthrough and allow you to get there versus, you know, kind of trying to get it all at one time and being frustrated and kind of ending up in a kind of more of a downward cycle. Yep. Yep. Well, is there anything important that I've missed, Soren, in your work and these questions that had for you? Well, I, I've really appreciated your your questions because um, the connection making is something that I value myself. I think that um, what I would emphasize is that everyone has experiential intelligence. Everyone. It's our unique internal fingerprint uh, that makes us who we are because we all have unique experiences. Those are our own, which means we all have unique strengths and the opportunity in today's ever-changing, fast-changing, disruptive world, no matter what part of that world we're in, is to recognize that success is relative based on how we define it. And what makes us smart isn't just an IQ test, isn't just you know how emotionally uh, intelligent we are, but it is also those experiences that made us who we are and how do we look at our own lived experience and understand it in a way that allows us to then achieve our personal and professional goals, whatever they may be. Soren, I wanna thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing the work you've done with leaders around the world. And these are all high level leaders when, when you look through your book and everything you've shared is going to help our listeners to improve their QX this year for heightened results. So for people who want to get started and get the first chapter for free, they can go to SorenKaplan.com and find your book, Experiential Intelligence, right there. And I want to thank you so much. I'll put all the links to follow you for people that want to gain access to the quotes that you put out on your topic. And thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. Some final thoughts. I couldn't end this interview without sharing how much Soren's new book, Experiential Intelligence, made me think. I was caught up in thought throughout the entire interview and working on making XQ applicable for all of us. I was also surprised when Soren asked me a question. This only ever happened once in the three years I've been hosting this podcast. 
Dr. David Souza surprised me with a question at the end of our first interview when he asked me, what else can I answer for you? And I thought long and hard about the questions we'd covered, and I wasn't expecting it. So I came up with something that really mattered to me at the end of our interview. I thought it was interesting that Soren noticed the connections I try to make during interviews. It's something I've noticed that comes naturally while I'm listening to someone who's speaking. I'm looking to see if what they're saying could be applicable for all of us in any way, especially if I can tie it to something important and to the neuroscience research. I recently noticed that staying sharp with this skill requires me to be well-rested, eat a clean diet, and stay as healthy as possible, tying in the health and wellness side to this podcast that's always there. Without our mental and physical well-being, everything else is impacted, and I noticed it with my inability to make these connections with ease in the summer months prior to changing some things in my diet. I shared this with Soren at the end of the interview, and he agreed that diet and nutrition have impacted his results as well. It's an undeniable difference for both of us. While editing this interview, I wanted to see if I could decode my own XQ for an example. And if you watch the YouTube interview, you can see where I took a high impact experience from my high school years when I was cut from playing the basketball team after being on the team in previous years. And this experience conveyed to me that I wasn't good at sports And the belief I formed over the years is that I need to work extra hard when it comes to sports. It's where I draw most of my resilience, strength, and never give up attitude from. So instead of being mad at the coach who cut me from the team, Mr. Stein, who I'll never forget, I can now look at the wealth of experience learned that contributed to my knowledge and skills over the years. Try this activity yourself, and for those who want to access Chapter 1 of the book, you can get it for free from SorenKaplan.com. The book does come out January 24th, 2023, but if you have time over the holidays, this would be a good time to sit back, reflect, and decode your own unique fingerprint that contributes to your unique talents and strengths. If you figure out anything eye-opening, I'd love to know. And Soren did say that meditation is another way to think and ponder about your life experiences to help you to come up with your unique fingerprint or your own XQ. And with that being said, I'll close out this episode and see you again for part four of the Silva Method in a few days. I'll see you then. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 